hello, hi, this is Saeed from Story MFG, and this is our first podcast. Second, maybe if you're counting the video we did a couple of weeks ago, where we had like an AMA type thing. Um, but this is the first one in earnest, and we're doing these to kind of give people more um, insight into the company and to introduce people that might not have been introduced otherwise and give them a voice and talk about things that are interesting to us and I guess kind of have the discussions that we have anyway kind of more publicly. This episode is with Nishanth Chopra who's got a um, brand and farm and sourcing and makers all under the title of Oshadi, a, um, a sort of go-between between us and his team of dyers and weavers, natural dyers, I should say, and hand weavers, I should also say. Um, he also um, has started growing his own cotton and other plants um, under the principles of regenerative agriculture, which is something we're, deep, we're really interested in. Um, he goes right into talking about regenerative agriculture and his farm, because um, I guess he's really excited about it, just like we are. And um, if you don't know what um, regenerative agriculture is, um, I suggest just stick with it. Um, it does, I think, I hope, become a bit more clear later on in the podcast as we sort of talk about it a little bit more. So yeah, the way these are going to work, I think, is I'm going to do an intro, like I've just done, and then we have the episode. And then we are going to have a little discussion between Katie and I after she's heard the episode. So that, that way you kind of get an intro, their point of view, and then our point of view. I should say that um, he is calling from his farm, so you hear some cows. And I guess that's just kind of like our story stuff anyway. Like there's quite a lot of nature left in. Um, so we're just embracing that. And it does cut out at points. It cut out quite a few times while we were talking so I've had to cut out a little bit of the interview I, should, I just wanted to say that from the start nothing substantive so yeah I'd love to introduce you to Nishant okay should we should we start now yes okay um how's it going Great. Yeah, oh good. Should I start by introducing myself? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, my name is Nishan Chopra and I'm founder of Oshadi. Uh, it's a fashion textile brand uh, working with local artisan communities in South India to reinvent their traditional practices with modern designs and sustainably innovative materials. Uh, we have our own women's wear line, but along with that, we also work with a a lot of luxury and contemporary brands around the world uh, on developing textiles for them. And we've been working on a regenerative organic cotton farm uh, for the last year or so where we are trying to bring back all the work within our rural community. Um, starting, like the, the current supply chain is based around urbanization and we are having a new outlook of looking at it and bringing back to rural India. So I think perhaps it's called ruralization um, I think it's re-ruralization because it was always in rural India and then there were like these factories uh, who, who centralized all the, all the supply chain and uh, to cities in India. 
So we are working with local communities, working with hand weavers, national dyers, uh, and now with farmers to create this supply chain where it's self-sufficient, it's self-sustainable, it doesn't have to rely on external factors uh, to process something, let's say for spinning, the farmers are, are, we are looking to train farmers to spin their own yarn. So they have like dual income, one from farming cotton and another thing is like spinning and maybe someone from their house, like maybe his wife is weaving the fabric and someone from his family is natural dyeing the fabric. But that is the goal of what we are doing. We have not reached that point, point yet. I think we are halfway through, but maybe in a couple of years, we will fulfill what, what we are trying to do. That's really, I mean, I, I, mean, I know about what you're doing because we've been working together, but even hearing you talk about it, obviously um, these things happen when you've got like a project going on where you, you're working towards something and you've been working towards it all the time. But as the years go on, you start to understand more about your own project. Like you, you start to like think about new concepts and new ways of doing stuff. So even, even the language that you're using now is like, it's like, like higher powered because you like starting to understand new new challenges and new solutions i hadn't ever heard you talk about ruralization that makes so much sense as a concept and it's actually something that i've never heard of before um i suppose being like the opposite of industrialization right in the uk here i i, I think you learn you learn at school during the victorian era that um that people were spread out pretty evenly across the country in villages and then industrialization came along and there was a draw of people and talent towards major cities and ever since then rural communities have been drained of um of well a, a lot of development and a lot of old skills have lost etc 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 as like things become more industrialized and more citified and you're talking about re-ruralizing and attracting people back to rural environments right and traditional rural crafts yeah um i think when we started as you say as you know like you know uh, all these things uh, they evolve your thoughts or ideas you know as you experience things and yeah. when we started uh actually uh, in 2016 our focus was to revive the hand weaving cluster in and around India. I come from a family who've been in textiles for the last 60 years. And I see like it's so mechanized what my family is doing and what everyone else is doing in the town. And this is meant to be like a really big textile town in India. And I thought maybe it's good to, you know, slow things down. Things are so intense here, like with pollution. Uh, I'm sure like I don't need to explain the, the adverse effects of pollution and everything else, like the, the supply chain. Um, but I think like when we started, we, I just wanted a very slower outcome of things. I, I, I was not used to the intensity and mechanized way of making things. And as things went by, we started focusing on the weaving. And then I realized it's not just weaving. We need to sort out the dyeing. And we started doing like working with organic dyes. So we were, I, we didn't really have our own setup, but what we were doing is we were working with like the, the dyers who are already, who already have a setup and bringing in new dye stuff and training them to 
make like a dye shade or you know a shade card with natural dyes and shade card with organic dyes and figuring out finishing agents where even like you know to soften the fabric a lot of toxic uh, uh, chemicals were used so we started working on them and we started figuring out like softer finishing agents and then we move back like hey materials are not good so organic is not not enough because organic farm like you know uh, what we are also doing like regenerative farming now and how organic farm is different to regenerative farm is organic farming is just about not you like it's just about not using pesticides in the farm uh, whereas regenerative farm is a more holistic approach uh, where it's not so organic is a part of regenerative where you don't use pesticide, of course, like there's no chemicals, but there are other things like you take care of biodiversity, you're working to restore the ecosystem. So you work on reviving the native plants, native animals, native, and that way you bring back the supply chain. So for example, I give you, uh, when we first started doing this organic cotton farm, we, it was initially organic because you can't shift from like conventional to regenerative right away. So when we did the first season, we had like very limited number of plants growing next to cotton. So maybe like four other plants. But this season, I would say like, which was our second season, I mean, this past season, we had 15 different crops on the same land, like 15, I'm saying like very minimum, but now maybe like 20 plants, you know, including the weeds and the trees around here. So what happened was the pest, like there was no pest attack on the cotton. Cotton had like, you know, the pest had their own food to eat besides the cotton. They were like birds, they were feeding on castor, they were feeding on sorghum or uh, bajra. They were like millets, they, the birds were feeding on the millets. There were insects feeding on the cover crops, trap crops. And that way, like, you know, we hardly had, we had like 10% of pest attack on the, on the cotton plants, which means like you provide enough food for all the plants, all the worms, all the birds, all the, all, like for everything, you know, it's like a more holistic, so uh, yeah, so we as soon as the biodiversity starts like restoring itself, and we don't really need we don't really need to support. People always talk about like supporting the plants or like you know helping the plants, but it's not really like that. You know, yeah. you're just restoring what existed before, and the plants start supporting you. So the plants giving us like cotton, and I'm able to like sell the cotton and you know finance our business. So you know it's more like an exchange. You create this exchange and you create this ecosystem. And as we kept doing it, we just realized like, you know, it's about, not just about the farm, but it's about like the rural India, because rural India is what our major example was, you know, everything we do in this business, we look up to the rural India, like craftsmanship, mm -hmm. the artisans, the dyers, the natural dyeing, the farming, everything is based here. And what I realized is at the moment, like the power is completely concentrated, uh, you know, it's centralized by one, one spinning mill. Which, come, which, you know, which controls like 30,000 acres of farm or like 50,000 acres of the farm. And they don't decide like, it's them deciding, okay, we are going to buy cotton at this price this season. So they don't care about how much farmers, like, you know, maybe the farmer's been affected by drought or like floods and he's invested, like, you know, farmers take loan to grow cotton and he's invested something. And as soon as it's out, like the businessman decides or like the mills decide not to pay that much and cut down the price. So the only people who are affected in this are farmers. So the entire burden of the supply chain comes back to the farmer. And that's why we were like, maybe we, are, we need to like train the farmers to also spin, to also weave. And also we don't work out the cost of the cotton based on what the commodity price is or mm. of, of the cotton in the market is, but we make our own price based on how much yield we have, 
what are the factors like you know which brought down the yield and you know we we started doing this about a year ago but like we've been working on the costings of the cotton the spinning the weaving the ginning all of it in the setup which we are trying to create here and brands are still making like you know if they start even if they have like 20% sell sell sales rate of of a collection they still end up making like you know they still end up break even like just with the 20% of uh the thing uh the the produce or the garments they make with us so i just realized like the entire thing is completely messed up like i don't know how the rates come up i i sometimes figure out like the price of the cotton is 300 rupees a kilo and i's like how are you able to do organic farming at 300 rupees a kilo like it's no way you either are like um it's like probably modern day slavery suppressing mill someone at spinning mill someone at weaving mill not paying someone at some part of the supply chain and that's why you able you're able to get like this rate which is like the standard market rate standard market rate does not exist like you know if you're growing something in erode and let's say there's someone growing someone growing something in maharashtra the price of the cotton cannot be same in maharashtra and like in tamil nadu you know what i mean right this is something that i i find hard to um I find hard to communicate to people because um because when when you talk about this as a person that's trying to that's making products or making um something to sell it sort of sounds like you're trying to get a better deal for your product but the longer the more you uncover the price of things the true cost of things as people talk about the more you realize that it feels like a classic movie scene where you're uncovering a conspiracy where you're like this doesn't seem right and then you look a little bit closer and then this also doesn't seem right everything starts to smell bad and you start to realize that um that the reality that we've been fed is a false reality or rather it's an unsustainable thing where the burden as you say the like the burden of the cost is on the people lowest on the on the ladder um it's very different it's a very difficult thing to communicate to people because if you it's and it's also an interesting thing that that conversation really only happens between people who can afford to make better choices um if I, i'm talking to somebody here in the uk and they're saying why is your product or why is this thing more expensive and you explain to them they they have they have at hand a uh, uh like a an example to pull they can be like well um primark is able to make a t-shirt for 3 or 4 pounds or 5 pounds or whatever and that and that's that's their like baseline but i mean we 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 are quite lucky to have like brand partners or you know people who i work with who completely believe in us you know they they don't have constraints you know they don't have doubts uh, mm-hmm. because uh, when we started doing this about a year ago they gave us a 3 year time like you know we uh, fiber shed and you know some other other brand partners like christina they they gave us a 3 years time to do it and we we got it done in like 6 months you know mm-hmm. and we're not like it's just a start there's so much more that needs to be like improved you know when we before we started this project like one year ago from now i didn't know how to spin something i didn't know how to gin something you know it was all a part of things and you just figure things out and as you go more deeper and deeper you find out like better solutions i do know like i do understand you know we we have other like you know we have messages from people saying that hey why is it so expensive and for me like for me it's i i don't really care about that because i don't think it needs explanation they should probably get an explanation from primark like why is your thing so cheap 
by that's a really good point that's a really good point yeah, yeah I, that's something that i've never so, said somebody i would never say anyone like who, who are trying to like if of course it's if it's people working with us like you know our brand partners who i need to give an explanation to or like our customers who are like you know really interested in knowing about like the transparency of our project of course like you know it's more than happy but people who criti criticize this work i don't think we need to give them space to criticize something if there's something wrong like design wise or if they hear something unethical about us or something which is not socially you know uh, uplifting about us i mean that's when we need to give them explanation about things but uh, i mean that's my point of view on these things but yeah that i mean that's so interesting and you and we we talked about your your farm and doing um cotton with you for for a project and you were explaining that to work with yeah. your regenerative farm it's how much extra was it it was like a, it was like two three four times more expensive three times more expensive the first year and probably a bit lesser the next year but it's at least like twice as much it would cost cost uh, twice as much even if the if the entire supply chain became, became like really efficient is definitely going to be like twice uh, the price of uh, growing the conventional cotton and organic cotton perhaps, you know. I, I asked people on Instagram what they would like to ask you and I, and I suppose there weren't actually that many questions because I suppose that people aren't used to even really considering a maker. They're more interested in asking questions of a designer or, or an artisan. So yeah. people don't even really understand what, is a question they can ask for me like if i was given the opportunity to talk to somebody who's a maker or a farmer or something i'd have so many so many questions um so be so interested but we're yeah. not often introduced to these characters and their um what they and th th their contribution aside from like some marketing thing um but what one of the one question that a lot of people were asking was how has covid uh, affected your your operations and how and and your business um just before covid like we started this farm project and we luckily had like an agricultural permit to do the farming so one thing i was really lucky about is keeping myself occupied so mm. i was like really occupied with an agricultural permit and we were working within the community so you know we had no one working coming from outside but uh, the farming thing was done, so I I didn't think I took a break. We maybe had like a one week break uh, to figure out like agricultural permits, but I think that was it. Um, but textiles wise and the women's wear wise, there was absolutely no business. There's so many canceled orders, so many orders that went down. So you know, um, but right when things started opening we had a much uh, higher influx of orders than it was before mm. so i think people are starting to realize that it's time to change you know with covid it seems so surreal like what covid like i can't imagine like days like this in my entire lifetime just like you can't go out of your house completely jammed in your place like it's absolutely crazy but you know like i personally never felt that it was one week of that but then i had a great time living in the farm I was having these like stews, which the farmers were making really herbal stuff. So they had like their own theories about how you can avoid COVID. So everyone would bring in these leaves, like, Hey, you want to try this leaf soup, or this is a rustum, you want to try this. And this would be nice. That would be nice. So, you know, uh, for me, COVID was a, a very introspective thing. I think I learned a lot about myself, what I wanted with work before this, like, you know, my, I had a different mindset, like, Hey, I have this new idea. I want to try this. 
but now it's more like what do i want to get out of this and you know like what is my role what is my purpose how do i do something and you know why am i doing what i'm doing so it was so reflective about what i want from like you know why i started all these things i think before that i didn't really have a break from when we started to all the way now like i didn't think i don't think we i had like a moment to sit down and think about like what's going on and you know what what should i be doing or what am i doing but i think these three months were so reflective and i think the outcome is what we are able to do now we are doing this farming everything is so like everything is starting to work and i think those three months gave me a time to uh, figure out how to make these things work and you know I, so covid those three months you know like the next three months were just to make up for the last three months which were which we had no business in textiles and fashion but i think the world is like starting to realize like a lot of people around the world are starting to realize that you know we need to start making better choices uh, i mean that's what it seems like for to me with covid yeah it's 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 a strange time obviously we we work with you work with other people and they all have similar stories although not not everybody has said that they've had a lot of business afterwards a, a lot of them have just are still like quite in quite a bad position um but in terms of introspection and like the world like the industry taking a bit of a circuit break it's good to hear that because i feel like there's a lot of people in the west talking like that and i often think that that that's almost like a privileged thing because we we can say oh well we, you know we took a bit of a break and we were able to do this and change the way we look at collections or whatever but um not everybody has that option but it's good it's good that you were able to do that i think it's i mean it was taking taking a break like covid or not covid is always good to like try and catch your breath think about what's important um try and try and try some new stuff instead of always trying to catch up with emails like sometimes you email me and it's like 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock at night for you or something like you you seem like you're always on um yeah i think with this like you know that's why you know when when you asked me when someone asked me like you know what happens when people criticize you i just never listen they don't know what it's like to set something up which doesn't exist you know just looking at things it's not easy like you know you need to be at the farm at 6am in the morning and by 10 like you already are on your like textile stuff and then you come back to the farm figure things out you know there's like a shortage of human resources here so you know you need to travel to different villages finding more farmers and you know who work for you and a lot of the farmers are spoiled by indian uh, subsidies and grants which they get which where they don't have to work and you know they get paid just to stay at home so that kind of like spoils the way like the work is done so you're trying to like battle so many things here like we increased the wage of the farmers here about like a few months ago and we had such a crazy backlash from local people because all the people like all the farmers were starting to work with us and i'm this like 26 year old guy trying to talk to like this 20 50 year old men about what should be done and what what shouldn't be done and it's so difficult to like go through these social systems and figure something out and then you go back and then again it's the farming and also i work with we we only majorly like all our work is with exports like in the us and new zealand and in uk so people work in different time zones and in order to make your work efficient you need to be able to like 
answer people at different times on uh, at similar times so it's absolutely crazy and that's why i never take like criticism until or unless i'm doing something wrong like you know if you if they find something some fault with our supply chain or like you know someone not being paid well or maybe some improvement like hey maybe you can have this tree in your farm and it's going to help that sort of criticism yes uh, it's it's a welcome but if people say like hey why is your stuff like expensive and more like you're trying to like rip people off and things like that i was like okay thank you find another person to work with you know right um, i know i know i wish i could be so steadfast and i've tried to be um personally but i i do take it quite personally sometimes i can't seem to help it um but i think oh, i used to be... do that as well like for the for the past couple like first two years it was so intense for me like someone would come and tell me these things and like it was absolutely crazy it was like it took a lot of my energy but at the moment my energy needs to be channeled in different things if i end up like spending those things like you know thinking about what people say i i still do it now and then you know sometimes we have like this crazy criticism from someone and you end up thinking about like man he just doesn't know what you're up to like even you as a brand like you know the guy the things you guys have been doing like it's absolutely crazy i i, I work with so many other brands but the involvement you guys have like you come down to india you you are traveling like every few months it's not an easy thing to travel every couple of months, come and see your supply chain, work with your dyers to make sure like you have like the right color from the natural dyes. People just don't understand that. Like most brands, what they do is they have a fabric, just place an order, that's it. If you don't deliver the fabric, they don't get paid, that's it. But you guys have been like, you are also creating your own supply chain from scratch. So, you know, you're training the dyers to live up to your quality standards. You're training us, the weavers and like everyone like to meet your quality standards. And that way, like, it's not easy to do all that stuff. So I think like people just don't understand that. People think it's a normal thing for a brand to go and do the dyeing or do the weaving. And like, you know, people don't know that current supply chain works on a phone call and just an email like, hey, I need this 10,000 meters, 60 days lead time. That's it. That's yeah. how like the, the yeah. supply chain normally works. Yeah. And, 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 at some yeah. Point, and, and on some level, I think you're really good at communicating to people uh, about your mission. But, and I also try and be very good at communicating and, and um, just so that people sort of have a better understanding. And one thing that I found interesting throughout the years is that I think there's this, un there's this belief that there's just this desperate workforce in India um, who are looking to do anything and will, 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 will get paid anything to do anything. And they're just desperate for money and underpaid and, the at least in my experience with the people we work with the trouble that you guys actually have is actually attracting skilled people because of how many not people may not want to work rurally or they've got or their skills mean they can get better paid elsewhere it's quite hard for you to get people to work with you is that, that's right right yeah yeah i mean uh, it, it's it's like absolutely difficult to find someone because first thing is i'm really young so, mm -hmm. like i'm 26 years old so if i go to someone and they find it hard to believe that i could make this happen i have this like idea of like completely changing the supply chain and you go up to someone and is like man I'm, I'm i'm looking to reinvent the supply chain I'm like whoa just chill out man relax <laughs> <laughs> it works fine it works fine yeah it's, it works fine you don't really need to do that but then also i'm like why are you need to understand why are people not willing to work in rural india what is it that drives uh rural people to go to a city like someone of my age let's say he was born and brought up in this village uh we are farming in 
why is he going to go to like Chennai or like Pondicherry or like any of these other places to find work? First thing is like these these places are so underdeveloped. So as soon as you have education, you realize the world is much is a much bigger place. So you mm-hmm. want to move out of this small town, and you know there's less creativity. I think maybe a lot of people don't know that word creative in in rural village or like you know in towns and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I think everyone at some level has this knack for creativity and like especially young people they want to do something different they want to do something like creative and that's why we are trying to set up the supply chain here because you know let's say story mfg is coming or like Stidon is coming and they come to this village like they're cre- creative designers and creative brands are coming to this village and what they do is they start interacting with people in villages and these young people who live in the villages they're like whoa this is nice like you know i've never seen this this is amazing you know i'd like to work on this and slowly you bring their interest back. And first thing is that, and second thing is income. So if you're able to give them like that income, what they get in like a city or more than that, they definitely want to come back. So I think these two are the main factors, like development and income, which which uh, people like, you know, aspire for and they go to different cities, but that's exactly what we are looking to create. So we are aiming for this market, which is like really absolutely creative. Like, you know, the the brands who we work with, they're not copying people. Everything is like original. Everything is like they do. Every brand is individual in its own. They, they're creating like breakthrough things and breakthrough clothing and really amazing designs, amazing, crazy, crazy ideas. So people who start working with us, they're like, whoa, this is something we never see in a village. So we would find probably, we'd pro- pro- probably find this kind of designs in, you know, working with someone in Chennai or we'd probably find this income in Chennai. So what they see is like, you know, they find these things at home they are able to live with their family so they don't go to Chennai and come meet their family like once in a month. They stay with their family and they're open to come at what time it pleases and they go back, spend time with their parents, spend time with their wives, spend time with their kids. Another issue like you see here is like kids, you know, they're becoming like the, these rebels with no cost. They're just like fighting, doing absolutely reckless things and because they don't have like guidance from parents, like they don't have, their parents are working like day till night years and years and years and they don't have enough time like parents don't spend enough time to take care of uh, a child you know like i think a lot of things i'm doing is because what my mother taught me while i was growing up you know these are mm. values and these things that like, you don't teach the kids they grow up to become these like rebels you know like reckless rebels like who do absolutely crazy things with no cost with no results and uh, stuff like that so i think another part of the work like you know when we start doing things in the village these are people like going back home, spending time with their kids, the family. And again, what happens, we also start finding more workforce uh, that way because people are like slowly coming back. So, so many people who are working with us at the moment, they've been working in Chennai, they're coming back to work with us. They had, they were going to this factory, which is like 50 kilometers away and you know, they, they find home here. So I think you have to create the work here, just how people created this, these factories, these mills in cities, they created, employment you have to bring back the employment but you bring it back in a way which which is uplifting you know they don't want to come back and earn like a lesser income here they want to be able to earn the same income or more even like twice Mm. as much Mm. and yeah i think uh that's what exactly what we are doing to bring back work to find workforce uh and i think that's important that's 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 down to you like that's that's the most special part of this whole project is that you, I guess you have decided to stay where you are and, and start working where you are because without your, I mean, 
to be to be completely frank about it, you you as a person, you've got options to be. You could you could go you could come live in the UK. You could work almost anywhere. You're well educated, but your interests and your hometown pride, I guess, like draw you to staying in a much more rural place and making making a change and being, I suppose, like kind of counter cultural counter. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of my friends, like, you know, when I look at it myself, a lot of my friends, they are absolutely smart. So they went to like really amazing unis and, you know, they could have done like something breakthrough or something incredible in the town they were, they, you know, they were brought up in. But what they do is they go abroad, study abroad and, you know, just settle down there. But I think for me, it's more about uh, learning from outside, but then coming back to your community and uplifting them. So let's say everyone from my, of my age, let's say they were educated, they had the same privilege of going to an amazing uni and, you know, having this platform. If everyone moves out, what happens to these villages and these towns? That's when there's no development because everyone who could have probably developed, you know, taken it to another level or another place, they've moved to another place, you know, to find a better life. I, I, I'm not complaining that I have a bad life, but, you know, if I was in London, I would have a much more social life and things, but I don't really mind that, you know. I, I... For me, like the work I'm doing keeps me like really occupied and doesn't give me space to think about these social things I could do if I was in London or if I was in New York or something. And of course I had this choice to, you know, decide if I want to do pursue my career in a in a city or, you know, in a village. But I really want to create not the city, but that kind of environment, like, you know, that kind of creativity and that kind of work and that kind of income within the same village and show that's a you know it's possible because most people who don't do this, they just think it's impossible. And now we are tr starting to prove that, hey, it is possible. You know, you see the kind of brands, like we have luxury brands working with us in this town, in this village. Can you imagine this luxury brand coming to this E-Road, a, a town in like you know, a small village in, in, in India to mm. work? And I think it's starting to happen now. You know, we have like few brands, but that's what, that's what happens. You, you start, you create a path and maybe it, it can't be fulfilled in my lifetime, but you, at least you leave a trail mm. for people to follow. And, and yeah, that's exactly I think, why I, that's why, yeah. Yeah, I think that the, that the this, there's this, these parallels in our work and your work and like lots of other people's where it, it seems like, like the, the logic is that if you, move, if, you, if you physically moved to a town or you move to a city you would have more quote unquote opportunities but the truth of it is that that um when you move somewhere to a city or you're a fashion brand and you join the fashion system that your opportunities and like are narrowed because all of the rules are already set and that you have to like leave that system make up your own rules and make your own opportunities and that can only really be done if you cut ties with a big city or cut ties with being part of the fashion system. Um, a lot of the stuff that we've done as a brand, we are part of the fashion system, but a lot of it we have decided not to do or not to be part of or not to get involved with and create our own opportunities. And you are creating your own opportunities there just by virtue of the work, kind of work you were doing. I actually just wanted to go back because I realized that like I have a very a good handle on what regenerative agriculture is and regenerative farming is but 
there's definitely going to be people who've got no bloody idea um because although in my world and your world it's like it's like almost like the new kid in town in terms of what people are talking about and i think that 90 percent of people who are talking about it don't actually even know what they're talking about they just use it as the new buzzword um so i i would say that it was um a way as you said like a holistic approach to farming or agriculture that that um puts like a very heavy focus on trying to make um good soil and that means um creating these creating ecosystems or not creating ecosystems but encouraging ecosystems naturally so that um so that you're not putting pesticides on so that you're not doing this that or the other so that um every part of the system supports each other without human interference what what, what would you what would you say that was close to being correct correct what would you add anything yeah i think that's exactly what it is you know you create this uh, you restore things back to this point where you where most of it most of what helps you is the plants you're not helping the plants you're just bringing back things together you're putting things back into its own place and uh, you know things i think in five years we wouldn't have to do anything literally like the the plants you we just have to sow the seeds they are going to grow that's it like you know that's when we know the farm is like completely regenerative and you know you bring back the earth so you know when we dig the soil now or when we take it out you absolutely know earthworms here like i've never seen an earthworm just like walking around so like going around the crawling around the the soil but i was speaking to this guy like you know he's like 95 years old or 96 and he, he was telling me back in the day like you know you would just like put your hands in the soil and take it up and you'd see like these earthworms inside like wiggling inside and you see what i mean like earthworms you know when i talk about earthworms they play one of the most important roles in agriculture they go back into the they bring all that minerals back you know they go go deep into the soil bring it bring back what the plant doesn't have and you know it creates this cycle it creates this porousness this viscosity and like all of these things there's a world beneath our feet and you know humans they think so highly of themselves uh they think everything beneath their feet is off you know is beneath their feet right you know? yeah. so i think it's people are starting to realize that that's not true like with covid and you know these natural disasters around the world people are like you know you're just a human just like a worm you have your time in this space you need to probably enjoy this and you know make sure it's it's wonderful for everyone for yourself and of course for everyone everyone else around you but i think humans have this mentality they have this indu- individualistic mindset where they think so highly of themselves and you know they have this thing of like the superior being mm. but every single being on this planet including the insects and you know and in, including the worms and they play such an important role so if let's say the earthworms were to disappear the farms like gone completely like dismantled you don't have food to eat and things like that so i think regenerative is like restoring you know things back to how they were and you you're giving an equal importance to everyone everything that's in the farm and outside the farm and from regenerative farming we are now looking at regenerative fashion where it's not just about the agricultural side of things but it's about relationships what you have like you have with people in spinning and weaving and the relationship you have with materials the relationship you have with dyes the relationship you have with like these finishing things of sewing of cutting so like all of these things so i think that's if i was 
you know what? Yeah. If I was, if I, if I was a religious person, the, I mean, the only way that I can, I can approach this subject because it's so complicated, but I would say that, that I, I find nature to be almost this religious experience where um, you, as a brand, as a person, your highest goal is to copy, <coughs> is, to, is to mimic natural systems. Because as you say, humans have a superiority complex and it seems to me that largely the problems of the world, of the universe perhaps, are that humans having some kind of interference where they don't need to and that humans suddenly feeling like they are smarter than the natural order of things the natural systems so and then what ends up happening is humans come along for example with soil and deforest somewhere or change the habitat remove trees that remove roots and then leave land barren and then rain comes along it washes away all of the nutrients and then you're just left with destroyed land and the only way to fix it is to let nature back in to do its work to like rebalance the system and the interesting thing for me and the, the most obvious thing for me is if we can just not fuck around with stuff if we can just let it be and find out our place in the system instead of trying to dominate the system i think and i don't know if you'd agree but i think we'll find that um that this working this way is not only better for the planet but it'll be way cheaper it'll be way better just like people talked about back in the day how how the expensive upfront costs for um, renewable energy now in the uk not even very long afterwards it's now cheaper for us to use renewable energy in, in our town than it is to use um, non-renewable energy. And it seems to me that just with, 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 with a better, with an altered way of working, more in collaboration with nature, we'll find a better, cheaper, more sustainable, better in every way, way. We just have to deal with our own fucking egos. Exactly. I, I mean, the, the term you said, mimic the nature, it all mm. comes down to that. Like, you yeah. know, everything, I completely like you know before we I started doing this I absolutely had no clue about textiles or business or any of these things and the only thing I looked up to like you know is the nature like what would you do if it was yourself so you know you had to treat everything else how you you treat yourself and you know I think that's a very simple mindset you know it, it it's like such a simple thing to do if you if you just think about it like hey what would you do to yourself would mm. you feel like these chemicals to yourself no why would you feed it to the soil or like you know mm. Like, would you feed this to your kid? Why would you feed it to someone else's kid? You know, like, yeah. you know, there's chemical in this. It's just people have this thing where it's all about like them. People think like they and everything else around them are like two separate entities or two separate like beings or two separate things. And that's when, you know, things start to create problems. When someone's like not paying someone, uh, a worker or someone's like harassing someone to, you know, get some work done. The thing he's thinking is like, he's not thinking of himself and others. He's thinking of others as something else. And that's when like all these problems arise and all these like issues or like with anything you think about this in this world is because humans have always thought everything else around them as like a separate thing. Like, even like, you know, other human beings, not just mm -hmm. like 
other, other creatures or other, other organisms or things like that, but it's just like other beings who look exactly similar to what they do, who behave exactly similar to what they do, like what they are, like, and you know, they have the same way, they have two hands, you know, they walk and mm -hmm. they eat every day. And you know, you humans, like, they, you see a lion, it's not going to, go, going to feed on another lion. You know, you mm -hmm. see a tiger, it feeds on like it's it's you know another being but it would never feed on a tiger but humans they would feed on other humans you know like they have this mentality i think they are like absolutely crazy beings and i think and... the other the other problem is uh that um people feel attacked and maybe like a little bit annoyed when you talk about regenerative farming in india in in erode um they people people especially in sustainability space that seem to like love to attack each other they want to say something like okay but that will never work in california or that will never work in yorkshire exactly. or that'll never... but but that's very it's a very small-minded approach because we none of us are saying this is what everybody should be doing we understand and we believe i think so anyway i don't want to speak for you that that the future is small scale local approaches to everything we don't we, this this like old western ideal of like one global solution for everything like let's make everything recyclable let's make everything this doesn't doesn't make sense in erode just like your solutions don't make sense for somebody working in Donegal in ireland yeah so you, you need to be like, you know, people, people need to start comparing things, you know, with like things that are better, of course, but things that, that fit into their environment and, you know, the, the, the circumstances they are, they are in, of course, things, what we do in Eero perhaps might not work and pe people like, you know, would start criticizing that, Hey, it's not working here and things are much different. The weather is much colder. Of course, you don't go cotton in like London in like winter, you know, that's not what you do. So I think for me like you know in the last four years or five years i've faced so much criticism at this point in time i've come like you know i'm only going to work with people who i love working with who love working with me and you know who help in like of course our supply chain is not perfect so we get so many feedbacks from like brands so many feedbacks from like people who work with us people who really care about us and you know we learn from them and we grow so we, i'm trying to create this like tiny space with people who I absolutely love working with. And, you know, of course, like it's vice versa. They need to be uh, enjoying working with us as well. But when, when it comes into this kind of world, that's when I think things start like growing from there because then you have like no bad criticism, but you just have these things to improve on and you grow from there. Mm -hmm. I got, this is, this is a bit of a strange question. It doesn't seem like it fits, but some, uh, quite a few people asked it. I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to be that much of an interesting answer, but how much of your how much of your daily day to day work is based is computer based, and how much of it is just physical? I think it completely varies because you know I switch between farms, and you know if you were, if you would have asked me like a year ago, I would say eighty percent of the work was like computer based, but um, I think it's forty percent not even 40, I would still just 20% of the work is computer-based. It's just answering emails. emails yeah. yeah, just answering emails and not computer like that. Times I don't touch my computer for like a month or like maybe a couple of weeks or something like that. I had to use computer just to make an invoice 
And <laughs> I hope I can find something like Siri to do that for me. Like, hey, it voiced to BMFG for 100 meters of this fabric and it's done. I think that would be a dream. I know. Yeah. I mean, I suppose that's another, that's, that, that leads to another thing. Like, it's, that's, it's not easy to find help, like, help on your level either, right? It's not easy to find people who are, we have the same in the UK, but it's not easy to find people who can, who you could partner up with or hire as like, uh, like as a, as a, as a, as a, as a right hand for you to be able to be free. No, man, like, it's absolutely crazy. I, we had this, like, I am training this uh, person who's been with us for like two years now. He's kind of getting there, but like the only hindrance we have at the moment with him is like, he doesn't speak English. This guy is like fantastic, absolutely good. Like, you know, now he can just sense what needs to be done next. We don't have to speak, there's no words, there's no exchange of words. He just gets things done. But it's so hard to find someone like you. You've been lucky to have like Katie right beside you, and like okay, you know, yeah. working. We, we, I mean, I'm more like her assistant than, than the other way around. But yeah, yeah. Like, either way, like you guys are like together, and you know, that's like one in a million chance of getting that place. But for me, it's absolutely crazy just to train someone. They just get trained specifically for one thing, and not someone like who could just take care of it. Like let's say one fine day. I decided to like, you know, take a break for like a few days and then I come back. Everything's just going to like topple like crazy, you know. I need to be there. Even like a couple of days ago, I had like, I, I I was a bit ill. I just didn't feel like coming, but I had to come because there were like orders that needs to be fulfilled. There was some issue in the farm. I think there's so many people in rural India, like now since I've started working here, 90% of our team is not educated. 90% of the team, they have no you know, experience in merchandising or dyeing or weaving and things. So, but these are the people who take risks. We had people working from some of the best universities in India, like coming to us, asking for a job. They have absolutely no clue. So they don't want to take responsibility. They just want to like do this designing and, you know, like, hey, my role's done with the design and things like that. But people who are working with us now, like, and that's why I think rural India has so much potential because people here, they, they just didn't have a platform to show what they could do, you know? Everything was taken away. They were made into like these labors, and you know they were these kind of people who are who are supposed to do what people in the cities are asking them to do. You know what I mean? But that's exactly we started giving platform a space to them to prove that like you know this guy who is working with us, he's I can't believe what he's doing. Like another person with his role would probably would have come from like this best business school of managing things, and you know sometimes like. The thing which I don't think of when he comes to me is like, hey, why are we doing it this way? Why don't we like club these things together? Because it's more efficient. And it's like, whoa, it's crazy. Like, you know, like the kind of solutions. So I think finding people, we need to have like a different approach at finding people. Uh, not looking in the conventional, but just having your own, just finding like what's what's starting to work for us, like the rural thing is starting to work. So we are finding more people here and they're so skilled, like, you know, it's it's crazy. They just need like a bit of, uh, I would say, uh, a direction, like how yeah. to do things. They, they learn things like really instantly. How, um, some, how do you, this is also a bit of a change of pace and I, I will let you go in a second because I know I can see it's getting dark. It's probably time for dinner. But um, obviously a lot of your, uh, almost all of the stuff you do is really local 
and it's really craft based and it's really skills based and it's really cultural. How do you feel about, um, I guess, how do you feel about cultural appropriation? And the, I mean, that's always also like a, a, a sort of a, a threat that's leveled against people who work in India and talk about natural crafts, natural dyes, et cetera, et cetera. Like, what's your take on it? Like, do, do you think that, yeah, I mean, I guess it's quite an open, open question, but I mean, how, what do you feel? I don't really know, like, you know, I've always found this word, like this cultural appropriation thing a bit strange. I mean, like if someone's coming from UK or US and he wants to do like natural dyeing, and if he's saying that, you know, we are doing these traditional Indian dyeing things, there's nothing wrong in doing that as long as like, you know, it's said that it's, it's learned from traditional Indian. Currently, like people do that, they come here, they are working with mills here, and they're proud to say that we are working with this mill who has like state in our state of the art technology, like weaving 10,000 meters a day and like you know they're so proud to say things like this so why why do people or brands get told off for saying that hey we are doing traditional indian natural dyeing and and mm. things like that. i think a lot of times like what happens is people learn something and you know they go back and they just say that hey we've invented this new thing of of thing mm. i think maybe that is wrong or like you know i don't really know what that kind of thing but people are just like when you start doing these things which are like really niche and starting to like you're trying to like discover something or you know scrooge out something or you know take out something out of, out of things people have this focus on you like this limelight on you like why 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 but why didn't you ask someone else about those things you know people who actually needs to be asked about these things you need to probably do that mm. and I think uh, that's where it all comes down to like, you know, but for me, like I've never understood this cultural appropriation. I think it's such an, and a lot of these things which go on around the world are done by like such huge factories and such big companies and such big brands. Like, I just don't, I can't like wrap my head around it to understand like why, what gives you a privilege to do that? Yeah, I, I suppose that the, the, the charge that's leveled is that someone would come along and work with you guys uh and use a lot of your knowledge and your skills and then like you said steal that not not give credit and then maybe use that information to do their own thing or to do it somewhere else and take exactly that's that so wrong like, and that's happened to us you know it's been, it's been absolutely annoying and you know it took me like you know firstly we didn't have a platform to stand our ground i did i couldn't because i was financially really weak uh the last three years i'm trying to like get around trying to like screws this like you know these pennies and you know trying to make this work somehow so of course i didn't have a privilege at that time but i was still i still knew that you know these specific things are like not right or you know i'm being used but you got to do what you got to do like you know when you want when you come from zero to one mm. like you have to go all in like you know you can't care about like these things but now i'm at this place where I, I can't let that happen ever again. Like, this is not going to happen. You know, you, cre you create this like space where like, you know, you separate two diff different things. And like, hey, now I can stand my ground. If you want to work with us, this is how, how you got to do it. And of course, you know, brands do that as well. Like, if you want to work with us as a supplier, you need to follow these quality standards, these like way of doing things. And of course, we are standing like, you know, we comply with them in so many things. But again, they have to be able to comply to our needs and you know our you know they should like it, it should be a mutual respect if you don't yeah. know what i mean it's, I know. it all comes down to that it's about like 
you think this is a small thing because someone in India in this village is making this thing. No, it's not small. If I stop doing that, you stop making that fabric, you stop selling that dress, and in turn, it, it brings down your sales. So it all comes down to this farmer, it all comes down to this weaver, it all comes down to this dyer. Yeah. And I think every single person plays an equal importance. Like, you know, let's say if there was, we have a cleaner coming in and I sometimes think like, what would happen if she didn't exist? My life would be absolutely crazy. Like, you know, we'd probably have like flus and Corona and like all of these things. And, you know, just imagine like heaps of this cutting waste. What would happen to that? Like, so I think like in India, I think more than UK or US or in the Western side of the world, I think people in India have this thing where they, they have their own mindset about like, he's a cleaner, he's a cook, he needs this, he's a driver, so he can't sit on the same table with us, which I always fight for. Like, you know, like if I go somewhere, like, you know, even someone in my family or like some of my friends, they wouldn't allow like this cook to sit with us and eat and, you know, these people who clean our stuff. And I would be like absolutely crazy. Like, you know, I'd go off on them like, man, just imagine this guy like not cooking food for you. Can you balance cooking food for yourself and doing this work from nine to 10 at the same time? They're making your life easy, which means like, you know, they pay a big part of your role. Like you run, you walk because all the food you have inside. It's absolutely crazy. Like, you know, this, this humans have this disparity. And, you know, again, it's going back to this individualistic mindset about like these things. But I think slowly uh, things will change. You need to, uh, a lot of people are just not educated, I think. People are brought up in this specific environment and in specific way. They just think like what they think is right. But you need to be able to like convey like what's right and make them understand. And if you go and fight with them, like, you know, the things would get worse. If you go and like go off on them thinking like, hey, just, you know, don't do this. It's disrespectful. They would never learn. You need to teach them like, why is this disrespectful? He's another human being. You know, he has his own life. He has his family. He comes, he leaves all that. He comes to your house to cook food for you. So you need to like, you need to change things with all this empathy and, you know, love, which mm. seems like you know, a very blatant word for this thing. But I think all, it all comes down to that. It's hard choosing words. Like, like, yeah, it's like, there, there are words that I uh, love. Yeah, love, obviously. But like, I, the words I, I, I have come to like dislike because I hear them so often, like collaboration but there isn't really a better way of saying it. We like, it's, it's all about collaborating together on equal footing and giving each other mutual respect. And then you create this ecosystem where everybody's collaborating with everybody, everybody respects everybody's position. Um, and if you have that system with people you work with, between me and you and the people you, you work with, between me and the brand, and um and then our buyers and our customers etc we sort of collaborate together and respect each other and then with you and nature like collaborating with all these different elements natural elements plants bugs worms etc it's the only way that it works and um yeah and and it's collaboration being the thing and then the currency really not being money even though of course money is so important and being paid well is important but the currency that we use to keep each other really happy is respect giving each other credit i think that's when the you know the journey becomes like really exciting because like for the last three years it was so hard to find this like 
perfect balance of things where you know we either were like not satisfied with the brands we were working with or people or the designers or like things like that but now like i've skimmed this down to uh, to this point that we don't need more brands we just need like these five brands and we just want to work with them because we love working with them we they love working with us we work with these artisans they love working with us we we work with these farmers and they enjoy working with us every day so we are creating this sort of like our own space our own world everyone's having a great time they love doing what they do and it's out of respect so you know like the other day like i i got a call from the person who 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 manages our transportation for for export he's calling me on a sunday morning and he's like hey tomorrow we have a shipment going should i go and sort it out today and i was like no you can take a break today and we can do it tomorrow and you never see this thing in most of the companies in india like you'd have to force people to get things done you know and yeah. the relationship and the way of looking things completely changes when once as soon as you have start respecting people you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like calls me on sunday at like 11 am i was like shocked like i can go back and do all these packaging and make sure it's ready for because it needs to leave our studio before like 11 am mm-hmm. so should i go and do it and i was like no we can come tomorrow it just needs 2 hours to get it done so you do it and that's when i realized like that is what success means you know mm. you don't like Mm. Th- that's where it all comes down to i don't really need to like tell something or like you know get i, d- I don't need to call people over and over, over again to get things done it's just happening it's because they love working with us you know we love working with them and it's a it's a different way it's starting like i can already feel it you know uh, starting to work know, yeah it's starting to work and like when i come back when when you first started it is like you need to manage workforce properly you can't be the, so easy on people or it's not going to work and it's not going to work i heard heard this from so many people like you know when yeah. we started doing things i was like man just chill out i don't need i don't need that intensity in my life and i don't want anyone else like feeling that because of me and it's starting to work now like you know i can already sense it like beginning it's just a start of our work it's just 3 years like you know we'd probably be doing it for like many 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 more years and things will get better from now you know i i, I remember someone i remember reading um or perhaps somebody told me that the the effective people in charge don't manage people they manage systems and the people work in those systems and so uh so people can change this the systems can grow with the amount of people that work in them but um that's how you manage stuff i mean our with our company i feel like it's the same the same too we every time something some responsibility gets taken away from us it feels like a, just another weight off your back another weight another yeah. weight another weight like a, we got a we were doing accounting we got an accountant got rid of it we were doing all of our wholesale we got a wholesale agent and then it's like another weight and then when those things when those weights drop off we can we can do more we can be more we can be more that is because proactive. you know like people you work with i've seen like i met pa yeah, yeah. and like i met like alice those people really love your brand you know they love like speaking to you they love you as like these be like human beings and you know they respect what you're doing and the reason you have this burden taken off from your back is because they love doing like that for you you know mm. what i mean let's yeah. say if someone was obliged to do it for you the relationship wouldn't be the same you'd still have this burden of accounting or you'd still have this burden of selling you see I, what i, I mean? can't believe that our accountant loves accounting the the way that he loves accounting but i suppose that's <laughs> another thing like uh to be 
to be frank with you, like before we'd worked with you, we had, we had worked with other people as well. And we wanted them to do the kind of work that you were doing. And they would, they would tell us it's too hard. They don't want to do it. It's difficult, etc. And then we find somebody like you whose entire energy is doing that stuff. It takes away all of the labor from it and just makes it an enjoyable exchange. But the reason I'm able to do it because is I also love working with you, you know, your brand. Like I always admire your brand. I, I told you like from the first year I've been following this brand. I was introduced to your brand by this friend, like, you know, this person I met in Oroville like five years ago. So I've been following and like, it's, it's like, you know, when I, when you, when, we, when I met you, I was like, it was so surreal that I'm just like sitting in front of these people. Like I've been following your journey for like the last four years. But yeah. we enjoy that part. Like we, that's the only way that I feel like I can see, like, of course we're talking about, I talk about collaboration a lot, but that is our part of, that's our part of the collaboration with, is, is like designing and set making and then selling and then create, like creating the, the marketable brand that can fit in the terrible capitalist system that can enable us to work with other people, et cetera, et cetera. That's, yeah. we do really enjoy that bit. I mean, there are bits that I don't enjoy. I personally don't enjoy um, like selling our stuff in, in Paris and stuff. We don't do it anymore because um, we have an agent and we don't need to do it, but I never enjoyed that. It's nice. But the part that we enjoy is stuff and we want to do more with you. It is super exciting and really cool. Um, and we just have to like, we have to, we, we, we still just need to find that like perfect balance of product and thing and price. We're still stuck in some ways by most of our business, although this has changed since coronavirus started, being wholesale driven um, to, versus the business that we um, sell directly. And we can make working with you and your fabrics work if we sell stuff direct and if we sell it through wholesale then we make basically no money like you know how this like wholesale markup system works yeah i think direct to consumer is the future like if you're able to do it like you know i really like strongly believe in taking things to consumers and that becomes like really organic you have this like organic demand nothing is like superfluous like you know everything you see is like real there's a person who's buying from you is like real Whereas like with a lot of stores, they just buy based on forecasts, which is not real. Like, mm. you know, so yeah, true. But we all, but you, I mean, with you having a brand, a women's wear brand, um, you also, I mean, we've spoken about this, that you know that, or, and I think we also believe that selling wholesale into stores is just also part of the system. And, and it also has its place because those stores have their own PR, they have their own customers, they raise your profile of your brand, they exactly etc so you just it's it's finding a balance isn't it like direct to consumer yeah, exactly. is okay for some things and some things are not like what we're doing now with the brand is we just showed our collection for spring summer and that's about two-thirds of what the actual collection is that's just the that's the wholesale portion and we'll have other stuff coming out alongside that we just can't make work for wholesale but it's all supported by each other um for example yeah. T-shirts we're making with you. Maybe you can also find a balance between uh, with like, you know, have a partnership, long-term partnership with like, you're connected to so many department stores, but tell them like the reality of things and you know, how things work here and it's, it doesn't work with wholesale and it's coming to a center point and you know, figuring out what works for both of you. I, I do know some brands who do that, 
they they don't sell it like this at this wholesale price but they have this like a new relationship with a with a store where you know they it's it's a mutual thing you know you grow with us for that maybe you you might have to give them like an exclusivity or like something like that but it can be like a more uh, if you if you if you spoke to like i think that could work because i i know some brands who are already doing it they they have these like kind of a new relationship with store which is not like conventional buying season but they yeah. make these pieces every now and then they sell it to the stores and you know th- those are the only stores stocking it in that specific space but it's kind of working for them because they don't have to sell it at that price wholesale yeah. price yeah but it's I mean. only a certain yeah. type of store that seems to be able to deal with that or yeah they don't want to take the risk like to be real with you if we worked with one of our big stores and we told them that we need more money basically or are going to deliver at a certain time a different time they would say okay well then we need to check we need to look at the risk we need to look at um if we're if you're going to be taking more money then you need to then we don't buy it from you that we take it as sale or return or you know or something like that and the whole risk structure mm-hmm. changes but yeah, I mean, certainly there are other, there are, there are so many other uh, ways of working. There aren't just these ones. It's just that, you know, as well as I, I know do. brands like, who never do wholesale. Yeah, I know. I, I but, know but, brands like, yeah. But with it, yeah. But you, I mean, you and me are the same, like definitely there's a better way of doing it. Definitely there's other things that can be done. But right yeah. now, right this second, me and you are way too busy to deal with that particular problem. And so we'll just, (laughs) we'll just carry on doing the other stuff and then we'll come back and fix that later. (laughs) Like it's too much. It's too much. And it works. It's broken. I agree that it's broken and it doesn't work. And I I agree that it's also a big part of the problem, but I'm don't feel big enough. Like, like you were saying financially weak. Like I think we're, I don't think we're strong enough for that fight quite yet. Like we're, we're somewhere in the middle of like, we're not a cheap, fast, fast brand. And we're not an extremely luxury brand where, cause it's funny that real, like more, the higher up you go, the more the customer understands the cost of things, but also time. So like really very well off people will shop like couture and get stuff made to measure and wait a long time. And they'll, they'll want to buy like an expensive watch and they'll have to go on a waiting list. And like the more, rich you are the more you understand the time that things takes and like story and in some ways probably you guys are in the middle where you're kind of like dealing with the mindset of fast stuff and a bit of the other stuff and so i know some friends that don't do wholesale and some that do wholesale and that they just make do like for example like make to order or something but that but we're we're too we're too in the we're too middle ground for the, for either of those things. We have done yeah. we did we used to, a few years ago we used to have a, a made to order type deal with with the store and nobody ordered anything because because why would they? I don't think I would. If I went on a store and I wanted something, I want it pretty much right now. And if I had to wait, um, it wouldn't. Yeah, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work for us. Yeah, I think I'm gonna have to wrap up because we are almost an hour and a half of talking, I think. And my camera and my computer and my microphone apparently are all overheating, <laughs> even though I'm in the UK and you're in India. <laughs> I think it's, yeah. uh, it's really chilled here, but yeah. Uh, I think it's time for dinner for me as well. No? I liked it, I really liked it. it was- really interesting actually and 
there was some really nice bits where he talked about like kindness and stuff, mm. which I didn't really expect. I, I mean, not that I had any expectations, but yeah, God, he knows so much stuff. I, like, know. I didn't know anything when I was 26. I know. <laughs> and the whole point of these is so that uh, people get introduced to like all the, the people and the characters that work with us day to day or um, uh, make stuff for us or, or even just kind of like are in our world. And it's nice to hear like a human voice because even though we work with him and we probably speak to him five times a week, mm -hmm. that's the first time in a long time that you've heard his voice. Yeah. And it's nice, right? Yeah, it's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> And that's kind of what's missing. And I think that's what, what I worry about, about like everyone's talking about COVID making people more connected, but it's only like a very localized collectedness. And like he was saying, we go to India all the time. We haven't been able to go since mm. January. And that means that, well, I assume, I imagine, that means that all companies that work with people in remote places haven't gone. Mm. And a lot of companies that work with remote workforces um, rely on visiting people to make sure that terrible things aren't mm. happening. Um, yeah, and I, I know it wasn't about COVID, but that little bit where he touched on it, and he, I loved that bit where he was saying like all, all the different farmers will come in and be like, "Have you tried this herb? Yeah, I make a soup with this herb." Yeah. I love that bit. Yeah, that reminds me of when we go. When we go to India. Yeah. When we go anywhere. Yeah. We kind of like hear new. And interesting things. Just, I love that local, that that sort of like local culture, localness, little little things like those little stories. I think that's so nice. I know. I wish that we like we. I feel like we do. I feel like we thought we do a good job of telling those stories, but I actually think we do a pretty bad job. Oh my god, we don't even do a job, do we? <laughs> no. <laughs> like the only the only stories that we like tell and like not 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 greatly and and hopefully more in the future is about the dyes and the stuff that we use. But we don't get to talk about Nishant eating weed soup on a farm, and, <laughs> um, and like how how like aligned that whole idea is with our how that makes story the way that it is. I guess it's so insightful what what he was saying. Like you just you've just got no idea. Like you've got an expectation of what you think someone who is a farmer, for example, what they do. Mm -hmm. But he's not just a farmer, and it's there's so many things and so many people. Oh, and I loved what he was saying about how he 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 works with people who he like, who he enjoys working with, and they enjoy working with him. That that was really nice. That really ring, like resonates. Isn't that think, such a mad it? thought that that is not the norm? That's not the norm. Yeah. And it's almost like it's almost like torn out of you. I I find myself talking to people all the time about that saying that we like we really only like working with nice people mm. and i know it sounds stupid when you say it yeah i know it? i know but yeah. then the reaction that you usually get is like all right it's all right for some yeah. or like well like we're being ridiculous and like the world's harsh out there kid and you should just you like that's not a way to do stuff but it is the way that we do stuff all the mm. people we work with are nice yeah. i don't think we don't we don't work with he, anyone that isn't but nice. he was saying that because he works in that way things fall into place easier and things get done better and smoother and the systems work better because of that which is something yeah, so that's so think... overlooked isn't it normally yeah so conversely that like working in a nicer kinder way more more human way which is 
explained to us as being a much harder like goal actually seems quite easy when you when you actually just deal with it on a human basis well probably your priorities and goals change yeah if if you're that type of person you're not you're not probably tra- like striving for the same things that people who don't care about that are striving for. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, well, party fully agreed with what that dog was saying. Yeah, I know. Okay, well, I'm sorry if you're listening to this podcast and you've got a dog, because all of the because Nishant had her dog, his dog, um, tied up next to him so that he wouldn't pounce on the computer, <laughs> and he was barking the whole time, <laughs> and our dog. <laughs> As you can hear, was not livid. happy about it. Absolutely I think livid. Katie was asking if our dog speaks Indian dog because she she says really insulted. Okay, I'm gonna wrap it up. I only wanted to. I think it, I think it's just interesting to have like ten minutes me and you talking about it at the end. Yeah. And I think we probably. I don't know how many we've done because I can't see the recording. But well, I loved it. Thank you. I really, I I learned a lot. That's and the first I th- one. I thought I knew some stuff, and it turns out I didn't. I didn't really know much stuff. Well we he's evolving and we're evolving and we're growing together okay we better go because pie <laughs> asked us for food all right um thank you very much thank you very much <laughs>